everyone. Welcome back to the Good Earth Podcast. This is Jake Martin again with Christians on Campus, and today I'm here with Danny. Hi, everyone. So welcome back to another episode. Yesterday was a really good Bible study. We concluded this part of our series, Christ Revealed, looking at proving the Lord Jesus as the Christ with the scriptures. And we we touched a couple more portions of Isaiah 53. It's such a rich portion of the Bible. Not that easy to just pick up and go from here. There's too much here. So we'll, we'll actually be spending a little bit more time here today. Yeah, this is, it's a good, a good spot to just stay and camp a little bit longer. Just, just seeing the Lord as, as we saw on our last podcast as the man of sorrow, but also even looking again, more aspects of his crucifixion and death. And even we're going to go to Daniel a little bit and look at that portion that talks about his his death from Daniel even prophesying concerning the Messiah. So maybe we could start with Isaiah 53, 8. I can go ahead and read it for us. It says, By oppression and by judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them had the thought that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. So this last part, though, for the transgression of my people, we realize when the Lord Jesus went to the cross, this was what he was dying for, not his own transgression, but the transgression of God's people or Isaiah's people, which is the same people, (laughs) to whom the stroke was due. The stroke was due to us, but the Lord, because of, God's will because he knew that this problem needed to be dealt with so God's life could get into us. He was willing to be cut off from the land of the living to die and and spend some time in the heart of the earth before God would raise him on the third day. But th- this, this part is pointing toward another prophecy in the word that Danny made mention of it in, in the book of Daniel. Yeah, maybe I can go ahead and read that. It's Daniel 9, and it's in the section of three verses, so we'll just kind of cover those. It's 9, 24 through 26, and it's, it starts, 70 weeks are a portion for your people and for the holy city to close the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make propitiation for iniquity and to bring in the righteousness of the ages, and to seal up vision and prophet, and and to anoint the holy of holies. Know therefore and comprehend from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the time of Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, it will be built again with street and trench, even in distressful times. And then also verse 26. And after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who will come will destroy the city and sanctuary. And the end of it will be with a flood. And even to the end, there will be war, desolation are determined. So mainly what we wanted to focus 
we just read there's a lot here because this is prophetic looking forward to the future and it's covering a large span of time but what we're we're focusing in and honing in on is the messiah messiah the prince actually this is the only place in the Old Testament that I'm aware of that actually it uses the word Messiah. So we've covered in previous podcasts how even, you know, when it came to the New Testament, when Jesus came on the scene, people were looking for a coming one. And even they had this word, you know, the Christ or the Messiah. In Daniel this portion is the actual verse that we have that tells us this is the only place that says Messiah. And so Messiah, the Prince. So there was a period of time prophetically given in the matter of weeks from when Jerusalem would be restored that just a little bit of history, God's people, they came into the good land. They, they built Jerusalem, the temple, and then because of their sins, because they went away from God, they went to idols and other stuff, actually the other nations, God allowed the other nations to come in, capture them, bring them, haul them off into captivity, and actually destroy the city and destroy the temple. But then there was a portion of time that we see, if we read through the Old Testament, even history, that they were allowed to come back and rebuild the temple, rebuild the city, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And from that time, there was a certain portion of time would pass prophetically before the Messiah would come. And even as we saw in the next verse, that the Messiah would be cut off. So it's good. I'm glad you're bringing in some of this history. It's always good to review this uh, history of God's people because it's through this history that God is imparting, imparting, sorry I said that weird, his revelation and his burden to uh, accomplish his purpose in, in mankind. And so we know that Messiah is cut off after the temple has been rebuilt. The children of Israel, they're in captivity, but Nehemiah gets orders from King Artaxerxes. He's allowed to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild, and there's some different waves of the Jewish people going back to rebuild until eventually it's it's reestablished and God's people return. Then fast forward to the New Testament. We know that this has been completed by the time the Lord is on the scene because he's walking around with his disciples in John 2, and he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews responded and said, this temple was built in 46 years and you'll raise it up in three days. And John says he was actually speaking concerning the temple of his body. But both are true. The temple, the physical temple in the Old Testament, that was where God came to speak with the high priest. This was how the children of Israel could receive God speaking and, and be in God's presence. And, and so that did fulfill a, a need for a period of time until the Lord came to be the real temple of God, mm -hmm. where you could really have God's presence. He could stand right in front of you. But this is, he's talking, this temple will be, anyway, here's the fulfillment of the prophecy. The temple is rebuilt physically. He's talking about his own body later on, but this is just evidence that at the time the Lord is there, 
what Daniel spoke about the decree of the rebuilding of the temple. This has all been accomplished, and now the Lord is, is ready to be cut off for the iniquity of his people. Yeah, so both the Messiah, the prince comes, and he is cut off. And even as it, it said here that he's cut off and will have nothing. And so this cutting off is alluding to, foreshadowing, pointing towards his death on the cross when he would be cut off, even as the verse that Jake read in Isaiah that he's cut off from the land of the living. And so there's there is this cutting off, there's this um, being put to death that was foretold in both Isaiah and in Daniel. And so, again, you have, this is just another aspect of a pro- the prophecies that pointed towards the Lord. And when the Lord would come as the Messiah, not only would he do all these great things, like he would be the king, he would be the priest, he would be the prophet, he would be all these positive things that God's people were looking forward to him being and fulfilling. But there was also this aspect, not only would he come as the Messiah, as the prince, but he would come and he would have to die. But this death, it was for their iniquities, for their transgressions, for what was due them. And he, his coming completely fulfilled this and was necessary for them to truly experience salvation and even for us to be saved. I like um, you, you pointing to this aspect of, you know, God's people, the Jews, are looking forward to Messiah coming, but they're probably overlooking these parts about Messiah being cut off. And now mm-hmm. he's on the cross and they say, if you come down off the cross, we'll believe in you. But they're missing the point. He had to be there. And even the disciples who had the most revelation at that time concerning who the Lord was still miss this point about yeah. him being cut off. When you go to Matthew 16, Peter had a wonderful revelation concerning the Lord. The Lord's asking, who do people say that I am? They say Elijah. They say different ones. Then what about you, my disciples? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is marvelous that Peter could see this, and the Lord said so. He said, Peter, you're blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in the heavens. But right after that, it didn't take much time after Peter had had this realization, the Lord was speaking to his disciples that the Son of Man, he, he himself would go and suffer many things and be put to death. And then Peter said, May this never happen to you, Lord. Mm-hmm. It, it says that Peter rebuked the Lord. Imagine that, that you would rebuke the Lord. But the Lord said, get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not set on the things of God, but on the things of man. It's a good intention that you have in wanting me not to suffer because you love me. Mm-hmm. But you're not clear concerning God's intention. I mean, like we read in Isaiah 53, God was pleased to crush him. Why? Not to terminate his only begotten son just for fun, but because 
his this part of God's purpose needed to be accomplished, and Peter needed to be aligned mm-hmm. with God's intention, not just with his own intention that the Lord would not have to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like you said, Jake. It's like Peter. When you think of this, Peter, one who was a disciple of the Lord, fully realized he was the Christ. As he said, he said, "You're the Christ." So. You're the Messiah, but then not aware of the other verses that would that was spoken about the Messiah, needing the Messiah would be cut off. He'd be cut off from even the land of the living. He would have nothing. He would suffer, you know, the transgressions of his people. So he has part of the revelation, you're the Christ, but he's not familiar with the full picture. He's not clear on the full picture. So even when Jesus says himself, I'm, I, need to, I need to die, I need to suffer these things, Peter, it's hard for Peter to accept that. But if he was clear from the Old Testament, if it was all these portions that we're covering was open to Peter, then he'd be like, yes, you must die. It's, this is what was foretold. You know, it's, you're the Christ, and this is what needs to happen with the Christ, the Messiah. But it wasn't, maybe we could even look at more portions that, you know, so there's this aspect that he has to be cut off. He has to die. He has to bear the iniquity of the people that our transgressions need to be put on him. But also just even everything with his crucifixion, all the prophecies, like he filled him, he fulfilled them so perfectly. So maybe we could like look at even some of those other prophecies, like back in Isaiah that we didn't we covered a little bit, but there's so much here. Maybe even like one of the verses that Jake just read previously in Isaiah about verse 12, it says, Yet he alone bore the sins of many, this is the end of the verse, and interceded for their for the transgressors. So just to, to recall your memory, if you're familiar, when the Lord was on the cross, he's there and he's dying, he's suffering, he's, he's being mocked, ridiculed, all these things are happening to him, especially like even the Jewish people saying, you go back a little bit earlier, you know, crucify him, Pilate's like, you know, this is your king, the king of the Jews, and they're like, this is not... This is not our, you know, kill him, crucify him. We don't want him. He's not our king. So the Jews reject him. The scribes, the Pharisees are mocking him. He's there. But what does he do when he's there on the cross receiving all these things from men? That he has a prayer, and it's in Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Isn't this amazing that he is there and he is he is suffering. He is being persecuted. They're putting and they're mocking him, but he's interceding for them. Just like this verse says, he's he's there. He's he's bearing the sin of the many. He's bearing all their sins. But at the same time he's interceding for them. They're mocking him, they're ridiculing him. They, put, they think, oh, this is good. You deserve this. But he's there taking their sins and then praying for them, interceding for them. It's really amazing when you consider that. Of course, none of us could ever have accomplished what the Lord accomplished. Like 
we could never take that place that he took for us. But if you just imagine you're there, you're being crucified, you're experiencing all the physical pain, the psychological pain of being rejected, and then even spiritually bearing the sins of the entire world, even the sins of those ones like right mm-hmm. there in front of you, the ones mm-hmm. mocking you. It's just when you put yourself there, there's like, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. I know that I could not pray for those people because <laughs> we taste just a little bit of persecution and we just cannot bear it. We're like, Lord, you got to deal with these people that they're not receiving your word. Or we're like John and James when uh, the cities rejected the Lord Jesus. They're like, Lord, should we cast down fire to come down and consume them? And the Lord said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are. But this is the kind of people that we are, but the kind of person that the Lord is, is he is bearing so much, and yet at the same time, his heart is never against these ones. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely for them. Yeah. He still has that mindset that he had before he went to Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who stones the prophets and kills all those sent to her, how, how long I have wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her brood, but you would not. But he still has this heart, even like a mother hen, to gather his children together, and they just still not receiving it. It's just really touching this attitude that the Lord had. And even as you're saying, it's like we we don't have this attitude. We're not this way. But what's so wonderful as believers who have received the Lord, he set this pattern and he lived this way, a, a way that we could never live in ourselves. We just know in ourselves, we're, we're not this merciful, this forgiving, this loving as our Savior God was. But since we have received him, we've believed into him, we've received him and received his life, that that life that we received can be lived again. And it, and it can be seen, and it was seen in the New Testament when Stephen Later on, you, you fast forward after the Lord had been crucified, one of his disciples that was following him was being stoned again by the same group of people that hated the Lord and persecuted the Lord was then doing this to one of his followers. But as he's being stoned, he utters the same thing, you know, forgive them. They don't know, you know, it's like he, he utters the same thing that the Lord did on the cross because that just showed that he received the Lord. He received his life. He received the way, the capacity to live just like Christ lived because he was regenerated. He received the the living person, Jesus Christ, into him. And then that person could be lived out again. It could be no longer Stephen who lived, but Christ lived in him. Just as Paul said, we can have that same experience as believers. That's such a touching thing that we could experience the Lord in that same way. We could undergo persecution, and we know in ourselves there's no way that I could pray for them, but the Lord lives inside of me, and He can He can pray for them in me, and I can just allow Him to flow through me and express His heart and not my heart. It's just so wonderful that we can have this experience. The Lord told the disciples, you have heard that it was written, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Do basically do whatever bad thing happened to 
them just as they did it to you. But he said, I say, pray for your enemies. Love those who persecute you. If, if someone slaps you on the left cheek, turn to him the, the, the right cheek also. And we, mm-hmm. we understand that. We appreciate it. But I don't know, Danny, if I walked out of here and someone from the sidewalk came up to me and slapped me in the face, I just don't know what would happen. I, I might fight back. But the Lord, the Lord lives in me. So if by his mercy he, you know, gets expressed, then, then there might just be this capacity. I know that it is, he lives in me. He's the one that's able to do this. We just, we need to contact him. We need to spend more time with him, loving him, so that hopefully if, if there was ever something serious that would happen to us like Stephen, mm-hmm. his same heart would be shown through us. Yeah, it's good that if, if we see, as we see just, the Lord in the pattern he lived when he was on the earth, even in these situations. And as you said, and we see that we've received that life. There is a way that we can live out that same life that he lived. But it's good to see it in the pattern. This is the standard. This is the way it should be. Then if we fall short, I'm, I am short, but Lord, your life is in me. And Lord, you're operating in me and you will complete in me the good work that you've begun. You'll bring me to this point until I live you and I express you just as you lived on the earth. I can live in such a way. And another way actually is seen in Isaiah and also in the New Testament with the Lord. In verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and it was he who was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is dumb before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. This one is just, it's so striking. The Lord is there. He has done nothing wrong. He has committed no sin. All these, all these accusations against him are out of jealousy, out of envy, out of hatred, and are uttered lies, but he won't defend himself. He won't open his mouth. And how hard is this for us to not open our mouth? You know, it's like if we get the slightest <laughs> accusation against us, in it, whether it's true or complete, especially if it's not true, oh, we want to, we're so fast to open our mouth. We're so fast to try to defend ourselves, but he wouldn't. And listen to what it says in 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23. Who committed no sin. So this is Jesus. He committed no sin. Nor was guile found in his mouth. And then 23. Who being reviled did not revile in return. Suffering he did not threaten. But kept committing all to him who judges righteously. That this is the Lord. He's there. He's being ridiculed, he's being rejected, he's, all these nasty things are being said to him, about him, and he's not fighting back, he's not reviling in return, he's not threatening, he's doing nothing back, but to them, like it says, he's silent, he's not opening his mouth, but he's very active within, within, he's committing all. He's committing all to God, all to the one who judges righteously. He's just committing everything. In the same way, we can have such a, a Christian life. Yeah, I think 
that's really important to realize that, that, you know, we might look at the Lord and try and reproduce that experience of not vindicating ourselves to the point that other people marvel and said that Pilate marveled that the Lord had not responded in any way to, he's like, do you hear the things that they're saying about you? Do you have nothing to say about yourself? We might look at that and be like, yeah, let me try and do that. And then someone's like saying something true or not true about us. It's kind of negative and we're like, okay, no, I'm going to not vindicate myself. But if you can't commit these things to him who judges righteously and you can't have that internal dialogue with the Lord, which is a, a habit that gets built up over time, the more we talk to the Lord, the, the easier it is to talk to the Lord. There's just going to come a time, even if you could do it here and there, eventually you'll say something to defend yourself, which is okay. We just we're just practicing, we're just learning, but I think it's a really good point. The Lord never broke his fellowship with the Father. Mm-hmm. I, I remember at one point in the Gospels, he's getting rejected by the cities, and he's saying, woe to them, woe to this one, woe to and then he says, it says that he answered and said to the Father, yes, Father, it has been well-pleasing in your sight to hide, this thing, hide these things from the wise and intelligent and reveal them to babes. The whole time that he's getting rejected by the cities and, and needing to say woe to them, he's speaking with the Father. He says, yes, Father, it's well-pleasing in your sight. So you have to believe he's standing before Pilate. He's getting accused. He's not responding outwardly. He's not vindicating himself, but he is committing these things to the Father, and we can practice to do the same thing today. The Lord lives in us. And we're going through things, but we can just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't like what's being said. I just spoke the gospel to someone and they cussed me out or, you know, said something mean or whatever. Lord, I don't like that, but I, I just commit this to you. I open to you. It's the only way that we can have this experience reproduced in us. So, so that being said, you know, talking to the Lord, letting the Lord's life be reproduced in us. If we we want the focus of this podcast to mainly be on the Lord, not just our experience. We do care for our experience, but we do want to mainly, it's called Christ Revealed, so we want to keep seeing him be revealed. Maybe one last item we could talk about at the end of this episode is, again, from Isaiah 53, verse 9, says, And they assigned his grave with the wicked, but with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. So we touched this part. There was no deceit in his mouth. He wasn't reviling in return. But we want to see from this verse and with the New Testament how he could have his grave assigned with the wicked, yet with a rich man in his death. Yeah, so maybe we could go to the Gospel of John 19. 38 through 42 this kind of tells us right after the lord died what took place in his death and after these things joseph from arimathea arimathea being a disciple of jesus but a hidden one for the fear of the jews requested of Pilate that he might take the body of jesus away and Pilate allowed it he came, therefore, and took his body away. And Nicodemus, who had come to him the first time by night, came also bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pounds. And so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen 
cloths with spices is the custom of the Jews for burying. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever yet been laid. Therefore, because of the day of preparations for the Jews and because the tomb was near, they laid Jesus there. So this kind of tells us after he died that they actually buried him in this rich man. It was, it was this rich man had his tomb kind of already prepared, but instead of him going in it, they put the Lord Jesus in it. And so this was just another prophecy fulfilled, even in the way he was buried, even the way he was died and buried where they placed him was again, according to prophecy. So his going to the cross, his being crucified, bearing the sin and iniquity of all mankind, being cut off, interceding, not interceding for those persecuting him, also not saying, not vindicating himself, but being like a sheep to slaughter. And even the way that he died and was buried, all was fulfilled, all matched the prophecy concerning him. And so without any doubt, and it's like, we hope you have no doubts that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the one that was foretold, the one that was prophesied. He was the one who would bring salvation to his people. He is the king. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the son of God. He is the man of sorrows, the one who would be cut off and bear the iniquity of all mankind. So this is the one. He completely fulfilled it. And hopefully all that we've covered these last couple weeks of our podcasts concerning Jesus and even all these verses we looked at in the Old Testament, hopefully maybe if any of you have a friend who is still a practicing Jew, hopefully you have a lot, a lot in you. And there may be an opportunity where you could even show them from the word of God, from the Old Testament. And just like we covered at the beginning, you could prove that Jesus is the Christ to them. You could make it very clear through all these scriptures. We have all this help from the word and all this time we've been having this fellowship to help others to see as well that Jesus is the Christ. And I'm glad we ended with this portion in John 19 because for those of us who have believed that he's the Christ and, and now we're clearer from the word, th this burial of the Lord is just so touching. I mean, he's not in his body to benefit from the care, but just seeing how they wrapped him up with aloes and they they tenderly put him in the, the fine linen and he's going in a tomb that no one had ever been laid in, just this honoring of the Lord, even though he, yeah, he's not physically there to receive the care, but he knows that they did it. <laughs> and, uh, and even before he passed away, you know, Mary was pouring the fragrant ointment on the Lord and he said she had done this for his burial. 
So we just have this attitude. We see that the Lord Jesus is the Christ, and we have proved that he is God, our Savior, and the, and the real man who could bear our iniquities. But what's our response? We just we pour out all that we have on the Lord. We, yeah. we love to just have this sweet, fragrant aroma of giving all that we are to him because we love him, we anoint him, we treasure him. So that being said, here's, here's the end of this series. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we're going to be kicking off a new series here soon, so stay tuned. If you like what you heard and would like to hear more, please like, share, subscribe to, and review this podcast. Thank you all. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you.